Welcome to Gone to Texas, a podcast about AMC's Preacher. My name is Alex, and I have not read any of Ennis and Dylan's Preacher. And of course, my name is Nick, and I have read all of Ennis and Dylan's fine work, The Preacher. The Preacher. The Preacher. Today we will be discussing discussing Season 4, Episode 6 of the AMC series titled Lost Apostle. While we will not be spoiling any of the comic and by extension any future plot lines of the show, we will be discussing the details of the series through Season 4, Episode 6. So pause this and go catch up before you listen to the rest of this episode. You can find more episodes of our podcast at g2tpodcast.com. That's the letter G, number two, letter T, podcast.com. We're also G2T Podcast on Twitter. And you can send feedback to g2tpodcast at gmail.com to tell us what you think of our podcast and share your thoughts on AMC's Preacher so we can read them on our show. Send us corrections, observations, anything regarding Preacher or our podcast. If you enjoy this show or any other show on the Midwest Podcast Network, please consider heading over to mpn.bz slash Patreon and pledge as little as a dollar a month to make our network even better. Special thanks to Jason K. and Gojo who have pledged at the level of $10 plus per month. We got some feedback this week. Um, we did. Did we ever? Yes. So we got a reply to one of our tweets for Season 4, Episode 3 recap. Uh, a man named Tristan Tristan Syme. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. said, hey guys, loving your work so far up to Season 2, Almost 3. Was super lucky to have a parentheses kind of important question mark question mark and parentheses bit part in Season 4 as Da Cassidy. Well, yeah. Which is great. Yeah, so the actor who plays Cassidy's father in the flashback uh, uh, tweeted at us. So I responded back to him, said, crazy to have somebody who acted in the show listening. That's so awesome. Given the circumstances, hopefully Grandma Cassidy eventually let you take his supper. <laughs> uh, and then I, I replied with the question that Nick asked during the episode. He said, we were curious, where did they shoot in Australia to portray Ireland? And he replied back saying, Judging by how rackishly thin Pontius is, I think he's missed a month of Easter. Uh, a month of Easter suppers, Easter Sunday suppers. Did you guys notice Pontius or Francis comes up as meaning small French man? Yet another layer to the onion. Some connection to poor Denis. And then he said, "We'll email regarding location. Bit of a tale." Dot dot dot. So, uh, no email yet, but hopefully it's forthcoming. Yes. Uh, awesome to hear from you, Tristan. So thank you for writing in. Thank yeah, you that for is listening. So cool. That's probably the closest we've had to somebody we're talking about interact with our show. Hey, absolutely. So is, uh, yeah. yeah, that's very cool. Thank you very much, Tristan. There's so much I want to know about him and the filming, and because yeah. like his his like prose, the way he he tweeted at us suggests that he is Irish. Yeah. Like, just the way he writes. And I was like, wow, are you just, is he still in character? Or, <laughs> like, there's so much I want to know. It's really, really, really cool. Yeah, we'll have to see. You know, if he writes back, he wants to come on the show, we could talk to him for a little bit. Even like a little 15 minute interview. I don't know how the, if he is in Australia or wherever he is in the world. Uh, yeah, that's what I have I'm, to work I'm, out I'm, some. There's a lot I want to know. Work out some time zone issues. But, uh, or we can just talk over email, whatever, whatever sure. he would like to do. So. Uh, we had another follower named Brian K tweet at us. He said, uh, he, he, re- he responded to this past week's, uh, post on Twitter and said in a prior episode, God destroys the dinosaurs with an asteroid in a fit of rage. In the current episode, Jesus plays asteroids, breaking them down into manageable pieces. In preacher terms, God is old Testament vengeance and Jesus is new Testament mercy. That's really good. 
Yeah, I said that's awesome. A nice little detail. It'll be interesting to see how Jesus reacts to whatever God's plan truly is. Maybe Jesus' second coming will be to step in when God steps down. Hmm. And Brian says, is Star mediating the terms Jesus and Hitler will abide by for the apocalypse? Because I figure Jesus will abide by whatever the terms are. And I said, yes, but I think the apocalypse itself is only one part of quote-unquote God's plan that he's putting into action right now. So... Was this before or after watching the episode? I had already watched it. Okay. But I didn't. I it, Either way, sure. I think the questions still stand somewhat. So, yeah, um, I, I agree. Yeah. And then finally on our Discord, we got some, uh, we got a bit of a biblical education from, uh, I believe, as we've noted him in the past, our most religious or uh, <laughs> uh, uh, vocally religious listener. Um, Joseph wrote in, and and he had some interesting ideas. He said, regarding Humperdue, if I recall correctly, Jesus said he was a perfect innocent, and God said he was essential to the plan, throwing out a few possibilities. Number one, the writers are riffing off the sacrifice of Isaac. The Grail needs to sacrifice a perfect innocent to destroy or save or remake the world. They tried 2,000 years ago, but Jesus foiled the plan by committing adultery. The trope is when you have to sacrifice a virgin virgin for something, but it turns out they're not. Number two, they're playing with Eden and the Tree of Knowledge. Because Humperdue is in a pre-fall state of innocence where he can't even understand right and wrong, he fits whatever the requirements are for God's plan. And then number three, I don't think they're doing this third thing, but one more possibility is that they're riffing on Abraham and Sodom. If God finds one innocent person on earth, he won't destroy it. Ultimately, though, the bit with the dinosaur suggests that even innocence can torque off God. Um... Yeah, so that was one thing, and interesting that the beginning of this episode begins with God rewatching some of his greatest hits, including the the Binding of Isaac. That's a great way to put it. Of Isaac. Yeah, his greatest hits. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, certainly they seem to be. Although in this episode, I think it's played for the fact that God is like reminiscing about a time when his creation still loved him. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> but Definitely. we'll get to we'll get more to that later, but. Joseph, I think, you know, you might be on the right track. We'll I, certainly absolutely. See. I said last week I was really ready to subscribe to theory number one. Yeah. And I'm even more so after this episode. Absolutely. I mean, the fact that he called that out so precisely. Mm-hmm. And then this episode started and I was like, oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, me too. I yeah. was like, wait, what? <laughs> Is Joseph working? Joseph, he's, do you work on the he's, show? He's AMC. He's got AMC Premiere Plus Plus. Yeah, Where exactly. you get it four days early yeah. instead of two. Um, he kickstarted the fourth season. Yes, he gets to know. He's in the right. It's actually this. Joseph is actually uh, Joe Gogan. Joe Gogan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Joseph did go on to say on the subject of the angel and free will. I'm not optimistic that it will end up as something interesting. Cassidy Tulip and Jesse have been playing around with the question of what is your true nature and can you change it since season one. But I'm not confident the show can ultimately handle that question in a satisfying way. What exactly does it say about free will that the angel has enough freedom to fall from heaven for his lover and enough free will not to kill her for a few hours, but not enough free will not to fight her after that? He only has some free will, but it has a limit, question mark? It seems muddled to me and not really a fair parallel for the trio wrestling with their natures. I'm open, though. Hopefully hopefully I'll be pleasantly surprised and they'll stick the landing. I really like the way that that all was phrased. Yeah. He laid out several examples and kind of set up like what exactly is the parameters of free will. And I'm grappling with the same question. 
to me, honestly, that's always been at the core tenant of how humans interact with Christianity. Mm-hmm. There's this kind of duality to free will of like, it's enough rope to hang yourself, but not enough to overcome God's fate for you, right? That's Yeah, I think that's <clears throat> eloquently put. So I think it's certainly, I, I don't know how much the show is consciously or subconsciously playing with that. It certainly seemed after last week like it was something at the forefront of their mind. Um, but yeah, we'll see how things end up in these last five episodes, four episodes or so. I wonder if free will... Ah, it's tough because I'd like to think Jesse had enough free will where when that second truck cut him off in the middle of the outback, he could have kept driving. Yeah. Like free will is almost like bumper bowling in a way where you have the whole lane, but if you stray way off, you're going to get kind of corralled back in. But I guess that's not free will then. Yeah. Because you can't continue. How free is your free will? Or you could just <laughs> throw the ball like a madman and hop over into the next lane. Mm-hmm. But I think that f- the the physics so to speak of free will in the show they kind of play the same way that god's level of control does too like we've asked several times if god wants this done why doesn't he just do it and there's the old works in mysterious ways and all that but you know there there have to be more effective means of do doing away with jesse and company than what he sets up in this episode yeah it's so crazy and is god just a, a victim of his own theatrical nature where he just has to do something in some big bombastic way maybe i mean that could certainly be it like i I think um you know if one of the tenets of the show is is that god god is really we are made in god's image and and god is subject to the same whims and feelings that we have victim to his own worst impulses yeah then then i think there's like this weird thing where god is trying to do something that makes himself not so apparent Mm -hmm. and yet like the idea that we recognize the garbage truck and then the semi last episode is like the point where god is almost breaking his own contract with himself to kind of influence things in as direct a manner as he has prescribed himself. And the, the veil gets a lot thinner there too, because we even see Jesse, the first truck, I think he chalks up to coincidence. And so do we. Yep. And then the second truck happens. And at the exact same time as Jesse, we all kind of go, wait a minute. But, but the thing is, is like Jesse, we see in this episode, in episode six, that Jesse has the moment of realization that everything's been a trap when they're on the plane. They, yes. They're about yeah. to get to the it's lost apostle. It's all been orchestrated. I don't think Jesse notices that that semi-truck is God. Mm. I think Jesse's still in the lurch of like... I think it I think it triggers in his brain that he should go back for, for Eugene. And I think in a way, it's God knowing that if he does this thing... He will spur Jesse back on the path that he wants him to be on. But he just gets incredibly close to pulling back the the curtain to reveal the man behind the plan. Yes. And it doesn't actually occur until this 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 episode. Yeah, yeah. The weird thing to me is is if God wanted Jesse to go back to the saint... I don't. I guess we don't quite know the mechanics. Was God aiming Jesse back to Eugene or the saint or both... I think that the saint is the variable that you need to be paying attention to because okay. he's not on God's chessboard. That's true. That's true. Yeah, because the thing is, is when Jesse gets away from the saint, it's like 
is he like they're both headed to god and if jesse would have stayed with the saint would maybe jesse had the chance to ask these questions to god and that kind of thing but yeah there's a real good bit from the books that i can't talk about but i really want to which is again yet another byline of this show (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i think that paying attention to the saint is is important yeah and uh is he factoring in in a way that you feel like is familiar with the books, or are they using him kind of differently? You don't have to. There could yes. be a yes or no. <laughs> <laughs> yes to all. Okay. Yes, it, he's it's his trajectory is starting to really dovetail really closely with what it does okay. in the books, but it's still he's still being he's still being used in this different Very way. Very Deus that, Ex Machina. <laughs> A little bit, but also just different enough that I don't. Under, I still don't understand why. Mm. There's a lot of the why that I don't get. And the really brilliant thing about this show is <laughs> it's starting to become about the the why is not important. It's yeah. just how you choose to react <laughs> to it. So it's kind of funny. They're kind of making themselves uh, critic proof in a weird yeah. way. <laughs> well, it's not up to you to ask why. <laughs> it is what the creator wishes. Yes. All right. Well, we will talk more about this episode as we recap. As we talk about but this episode. Thank you, everybody, for, for writing in some very thoughtful yes. stuff. I love, absolutely loved everything Joseph threw out there. Yeah. That just that made me so happy that this discussion went beyond the text of the show and actually launched into a full-on like religious yeah. examination yeah. of what the show is trying to say. And it's awesome because I think it also shows that the show is leaning into it a little bit more mm-hmm. than it was before. I really love it. I just love what's coming out of it. Absolutely. That's so, awesome. Yeah. All right. Let's do some recapping. Okay. We'll talk about the teaser. We open on a retelling of the binding of Isaac where Abraham is convinced God wants him to sacrifice his only son. We see God intervene telling Abraham it was only a test and that he had passed. God and Abraham embrace, but we see the story rewind. It turns out God is sitting on a couch watching his greatest hits. He turns off the video to call Hare Star and initiate phase two. He also asks about Humberdew, causing Star to lie again. After God hangs up, Star makes a call to initiate phase two, consisting of an Australian automobile dropping off the remains of the Deputy Prime Minister of New Zealand off in New Zealand. We cut back to see God adding a radioactive decal to a model of a large bomb. Um, do you think it's a recreation of the binding of Isaac? I I was kind of curious. I don't know. It's funny because part of me loves the fact that like Abraham just has this like Jersey accent, Jersey accent <laughs> yeah. that he's using to like, you know, it, it it's like, what if, uh, I know Marky Mark is from Boston, but what, yeah, what it's in, that fame. <laughs> yeah, it's in yeah. the same kind of area. Like what if Marky Mark played Abraham in a, in a retelling of, of the story? I don't know. I really like to think that's the actual instance of it. I think so, too. And God just has, like, some invisible photo mode from, like, like every video game for the last few years where he could just, like, at any any point just rewind. He's got the instant replay. Yes, he's got the... And he can kind of, yeah, manipulate the space, and, and this is the angle I want, and I thought it was really hysterical watching mark harlick play these like old testament god it's fantastic it's fan it's so much fun it's my a wife lot of fun. was so confused again <laughs> she she sat in for about the first 10 minutes of this episode and yeah. she just was like what, what is this is this show yeah she was like who's that guy dresses god i was like no that is god that's god and she's like no like, yeah <laughs> it is she that's actually good 
uh, the recap. So we got the recap again. Mm-hmm. And it was playing the recap before the episode. And she she was getting up to like get a glass of water or something when it started. And she just said, oh, no, not the ass face guy. I forgot about him. <laughs> <laughs> it was her direct quote. She is so good. puzzled by... Uh, by our space. I feel like there's a YouTube video out there of like of of uh, of of normal people reacting to preacher, reacting to like preacher. no context preacher yes. or something like that. That would be great. That'd be that'd be pretty good. Yeah, I should start writing down more of her observations, <laughs> word for word. It was really good. That's good. Yeah. Uh, some of the other tapes that were around God's. Yeah, I was curious what some of them were. Did you Job? In? Noah. Is this literally what the labels say? Yes. <laughs> Good. <laughs> uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. And then there's one that's labeled Rose Kennedy, which is John F. Kennedy's mother. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I did. I was trying to make that connection there, and maybe our more intelligent listeners would have a better idea. But there was, um, I think in the 50s, Rose Kennedy was named as a... Was she like an incredibly generous In 1951, person? Pope Pius granted Kennedy the title of Countess in recognition of her exemplary motherhood and many charitable works. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know what... Um, <laughs> they just wanted to find a modern person that could be potentially yeah, on that pedestal. Uh, but I guess the question is like, what what is what recording does God have of Rose Kennedy that he's like... What conversation did he have with her? Yeah. These yeah. must be direct one-on-one interactions. Uh, yeah, I would think so. But it, it, I don't know. Uh, so if anybody has any real... That's funny. Like a specific event or something? That yeah. Might, hmm. I, I don't know enough about Rose Kennedy, and I did not do a deep dive into this. Uh, That's hilarious. But yeah. I was wondering what the other tape said. As it zoomed out, I was like, oof, those are probably really funny. There were a few of them. There were a couple repeats. I think there were like two Noah tapes and... A couple other things, but he had more than one talk with Noah. Yeah, so it was pretty good. That whole sequence was great, but very funny and also very sad at the same time. Yeah, it was kind of like, oh, God, God, poor God. Yeah, God's getting to that point with his creation of like, or he's like, it, it, no, I guess if the the whole context of the series is that God has just given up, this was the last time, and he's just like, I'm done now. That's what I want to think, but it doesn't feel that way. He still is so involved. He's and the thing is, he's not. It doesn't feel like he's singular. Like in the book, he wants to. He wants. He has given up, and he wants to remain anonymous. He wants to disappear. Yes, right? he wants to stay invisible. He does not want to be found. He does not want to be pursued or tracked, or he just wants to be left alone. In I feel show, like we've really lost sight of that particular circumstance. Even the yeah. stuff that they present in season one of like, God is not in heaven. He is gone. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's weird that as he's become more of a player in the show, I feel distracted from that whole premise. It doesn't feel yeah. like he's just going after Jesse. It feels like he's engineering the apocalypse, the apocalypse right. essentially for perhaps some like unknown reason he's he has definitely gone like wild card like heaven doesn't know where he's at like nobody knows where he is or what he's up to Mm -hmm. and i it seems more like now uh, i shouldn't say it seems like it it seems very apparent that the show is just not about that anymore it's not about god just quitting and being like you know what i've had enough of this shit i'm out of here and i just want to live and and just be left alone it's he's he is working towards something and if his ultimate goal is to undo creation or something so that he can be left alone it, it remains yet to be seen yeah but it does feel like it's it's not just a matter of him like 
Peace just, out. Just up and walking away and just yeah. saying they will sort it out, which is kind of how he leaves it in the book. It's more like, you know what? You're all there. I'm out. Do you kind of yeah. thing. He he abandons it. And yeah. in the show, it doesn't feel so much like abandonment, more like he's he is working toward a conclusion of it, but it's still the res- the end result might be the same, that he can be left alone in peace. Yeah. But he almost, it's weird because for all as all-powerful as he does seem, again, if that was the goal, if you just wanted like, if you wanted to remain anonymous and invisible and just be left alone, just remove your memory from everyone, every living thing's existence, <laughs> and then you'll be fine. But it probably comes back to that same thing where he's he wants to be missed. Yeah. He wants to be wanted. Yeah, he especially wants, given this scene. Yes, right? he always wants people to be like, oh, if only God would come back and save us all. At least from if there's even one person left on Earth who feels that way, it's going to justify his ego. Maybe he wants to walk Earth and do his work in mysterious ways, but yet just kind of yeah pop in when he wants to rather than abandon it altogether he wants but. he wants to have the god road show where he could just drift from town to town and, and help out in small meaningful ways and just yes. kind of get a little satisfaction like, which nah. sounds like a great sitcom or something to, to <laughs> with mark harlick yes <laughs> god spinoff there's the spinoff is just mark harlick on the road doing good works but also being a little bit vengeful in a lot of ways too yeah. just the ultimate like he's the third brother from supernatural who could just <laughs> be a cool guy in a cool car <laughs> yes just roll but up. he always has his really like puffy white his hair. huge beard and hair yeah 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 the portrayal of god in the show is is different from the book and i i don't know which one i like more yeah i still really like the way he's portrayed in the book but he is definitely more uh he's more of a character in the show yeah there it seems like there's more gray to him which doesn't feel right it feels like he should be pretty black and white and i think in our minds god is kind of black and white so maybe that's how it translates to the book a little bit cleaner yeah he's kind of rooted in that black and white but the whole premise of the book and everything throughout it is so gray all the time that mm-hmm. it, you, it does help to show that you can't quite be that black and white yeah about anything which only helps make the book more interesting yeah if yeah. if the if the idea is that you can only be one or the other and the book is presenting all these continuous <laughs> examples of how you don't have to be one or the other it it causes this like dichotomy in your brain where you're just like trying to trying to rectify either one and it doesn't make any sense yeah and the show it's just not there in quite that depth yeah. but that's that is kind of why I liked that scene with the angel it started to kind of hint at like you know, all that subtext stuff that we talked about last week. And while I kind of do agree with Joseph, it feels like they're just walking away from the angel. Like, here's this morsel for you to chew on, but it's gone. We're moving on with the plot again. Yeah. That's not necessarily bad. I just want more instances like if that. We, if we maybe had more than four seasons where they were thinking about these things, even if we had yeah. the four seasons we have, but they were seeding that in earlier, mm-hmm. then, then maybe it would have ended up in something it would have definitely been satisfying yes but and the season does this this season has felt like it's kind of been oddly like rushing and then like molasses slow at other times yeah. and this episode again feels like there's a ton that happens yep like i said to you just before we started recording i was like i have really very few notes in yeah. my in my phone from this episode and you kind of said the same thing like it felt a little more Lighter, sparse yeah. yeah and i think there's just so much that happens. I, I did kind of get engrossed in a lot of it. I stopped taking notes and I was kind of just enjoying, but there also wasn't a lot for me to comment on. It's just yeah. like, it, it is what it is. There's it's a there. lot of A to B yes, in this one. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. It's it, it, it certainly, yeah, there's 
It feels like they are just moving. Like in 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 a TV show that took a whole season to sit in New Orleans and kind of just mull with the characters. Yeah. It feels weird to have so much forward action happening happening week to week. All of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. It's this very like erratic. It's like someone who drives by Someone who's revving. just learning how to drive yeah. stick, basically. Yeah. <laughs> or, or just getting up getting up to like thirty miles an hour and then coming in and take your foot off the gas. Instead of finding a nice cruising speed, you're just kinda mm, yep. mm, lurching and trying to keep it up and it's you know. Yeah. It's, it the episodes kind of do this they kind of curve up and down and up and down with the sinusoidal yes that this (laughs) i call it i call it this i do this with my hand curve up and down yes yes a sinusoidal motion is what or a cyclic yeah yeah and this episode was kind of i don't know where it was in the arc i guess because last week i loved and then this week i don't know like it feels like it was no it's not the downward curve I'm I'm afraid we're we're going towards another episode. I'm not gonna like, but we'll see. Because yeah. the shit that ends this episode is some of my favorite stuff from the books, and the immediate aftermath is some of my favorite stuff. So hmm. I'm really hopeful for episode seven. All right. Well, we'll get there. This has been an episode of uh, <laughs> Same director, director talk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, we get to see the um, New Zealand prime Min- deputy prime minister come back again. Yeah, I came back full the, circle. The fun interplay between the Kiwis and oh the Aussies God. is pretty good. The the interplay, yeah, and the just the characterization of Australians and New, <laughs> and extremely New Zealanders. Extremely shorthand, like <laughs> we want to we want to portray these in a show that has largely not been about Australians at all to kind of like interject these little <laughs> bits of like how Australian they can be. Right. What, what Rogan and Goldberg must think of Australians yeah. is hilarious. Cause it's not really mean, but it is mean at the same time. <laughs> it's like, you're incredibly simple, uh-huh. but you're nice and you're, you're well-intentioned and you're polite, but you're still simple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love like the fake, like the, or the weird, the gang style beef between them mm-hmm. like this is oh as the car rolls up and they're just like oh yeah, and like they, again they, later. they just like trick on each other yeah like. <laughs> <laughs> i thought for sure it was gonna be some like really lame prank like they were gonna yeah. pull out like silly string or like egg the house or tp it <laughs> i was like this is gonna be something really dorky that would have been good um yeah i think that's it for the teaser Going to Act One. Tulip and Cassidy have arrived in Australia. Their first stop is the Melbourne Central Police Station. Under the guise of being American police, they demand to speak to the commissioner. They insist that they were part of an undercover operation with Jesse in order to try and get any information they have about Jesse's whereabouts. The commissioner insists that Jesse is dead and they have his murderer locked up downstairs, and it turns out it's Eugene. <clears throat> Tulip interrogates Eugene and insists insists jesse is still alive but eugene says he hopes jesse isn't alive because he'd be even worse off we cut to the saint pulling a bullet out of jesse and using his heat breath to heat up his knife and cauterize jesse's wound (laughs) um (coughs) tulip and cass as american police is a lot of fun as like not even police like unnamed american <laughs> agents of some <laughs> the americans <laughs> my favorite part is when Cass pulls out his wallet and Just i covering I, everything I, well i paused it he's covering everything but you can see that the card that's showing is a barcode and it says like it's a library card that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> 
course it is. It's like, number one, he's not even trying, but number two, they still buy it. And they're like, okay, yeah. well, the, the Americans are here. And that Cassidy has a library card <laughs> in the first place to <laughs> yeah. wear. <laughs> that was what I was curious about, but his hand is his hand is covering it up. That mostly. is awesome. But it was very good. Yeah, his um, American accent is also very entertaining. Yes, absolutely. It's not bad. No, either. it's pretty good. He does a he does a good job. With if I didn't know it was a dude playing a dude disguised as another dude, I'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> "All right, he might be American." <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know how much else there really is to talk about here. There's some good. I like the uh, kind of the you get a little bit about Eugene and kind of Cassidy being sympathetic to the character of Eugene because everybody mm-hmm. else just kind of reacts to Eugene on his face, literally and figuratively. Mm, yeah. And the commissioner's kind of like, I think, I think he ate him basically. Yeah. It was hilarious. <laughs> did you watch it with captions? I did. I did too. And I'm upset that I did because I feel like there was a really good, like hot fuzz style joke of the, the woman who's like the sergeant or whatever mm. explaining the process yes it was really 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 funny it was no i yeah i was like i know that this is supposed to be played as like total incoherent just gibberish but i had the captions on and i was like well shit i ruined this joke for myself <laughs> i did recognize that on the second time through i was like oh this is probably supposed to be completely unintelligible is, to an yeah. american ear <laughs> yeah but it actually made sense with the captions and yeah. at the same time i was like but the bureaucracy of it is still absurd but <laughs> it was just uh it was great that's good. It worked on two different levels, it at did. least. It was so, um, I can't help but feel after this scene, I just like went down, goodbye, Eugene, like in all caps, because <laughs> I feel like the show is done with him. There's nothing left to do. What the hell else is there left to do? Yeah. Which it's, is which kind of sucks, because it's like, it, that's just the end of Eugene as he's locked up in Australia. Like, <laughs> Well, yeah, it does suck, because it's so confusing. It's so confusing. Like, and they, why did he bother to come along? <laughs> right. And uh, I just, what is, it, does this circle back around to the, 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 the free will or the, the true nature conversation? Is Eugene's true nature just to be this angry? So this is comic book Eugene. Yeah. Well, this is the first time I feel like we've seen comic book Eugene and it just doesn't. I even question that a little bit too. Like Cassidy. No. The commissioner's dialogue tells you that it's comic book Eugene, but then Eugene goes around and is like, well, I hope he's dead because if he's not, then it's going to be a lot worse. Like, I feel like comic book Eugene is just like, fuck that guy. Yeah. Whereas in the show, he still kind of like recognizes that, oh, it's Jesse and he's a preacher and, and I thought he was a good person, at least at some point in my life. At the same time, he fulfilled his vengeance. Yeah. Or whatever. So like he thinks, okay, I got my revenge on Jesse by killing him. And if he if I didn't kill him, I hope so I hope he I hope he is dead because if not, he's being tortured by the saint and that's worse than me just killing him. Yeah. It just sounded like somebody trying to be badass, like a badass lion in, in Eugene's mind. It's like it was, this, this it makes was, me sound tough. It was a play it, it was him slotting into the hard detective hard boiled detective yeah. story that yeah. they were portraying he's, in this he, act. Right. He jumped into the scene. But yeah. It just was, I don't know. I'm like, okay, so was Eugene always supposed to be, has he just come full circle back to like an angry kid with a gun, mm-hmm. which is what set him down the arse face path to begin with? Yeah. I don't know. But it just, uh, it whatever. Like if the show never brought him back, I'd be kind of, kind of be like, oh, all right. Yeah. He's, yeah. 
He's chilling in an Australian prison. We'll have to see. For some re- although he'll probably get out on some weird paperwork technicality. They're like, oh, we lost his <laughs> we file. We forgot to submit this form. Yeah, I guess we got to let him go, <laughs> which might honestly be the joke. That yeah. And he, he gets released. And Well, the whole thing was they ooh. didn't have anything. They didn't have a body. They just had the weapon and his confession. But You know, there is a ch- I just thought there is a chance that a different character's ending from the book might be applied to Eugene. But at the same time, what he did was, I mean, it was bad, but it wasn't, I don't know if it applies. Maybe I'll bring this question up in the book spoilers part of the Discord. If any, if anybody, if any of the gang in the Discord remember to bring this up and, and you want to hear what I'm, although Bruce, I gotta, he, he's probably already had him. Yeah. As soon as I said that, he probably <laughs> immediately honed in. Oh, on you what mean I was, this? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's probably what he'll do. But anyway, all right. Well, yeah. There's the other possibility that, like, is there a chance he'll be heralded as the dude who ended the preacher that went on the rampage mm, in the, the sod house? Maybe, but maybe. it doesn't seem like that if he's being kept in prison. So, uh, more heat breath from the saint. Yeah, <laughs> our favorite. Uh, when that part happened, I was like, I'm excited to hear Alex's <laughs> thoughts on the heat breath. It's just, uh, it's just heat breath. That's so dumb. Whatever. But, all right. Yeah. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. All right. Act two. Great. At Masada, Jesus and Hitler continue negotiating who will receive which souls in the apocalypse. An argument over deathbed conversions almost causes Jesus to call off the apocalypse, but Star informs them that it's already in progress, so they need to figure out who gets which souls. The saint wakes Jesse up and they start walking. Turns out the saint wants to kill God. Jesse tries to stall him and appeal to him. But the saint takes his insubordination to heart and heads to a nearby house to teach Jesse a lesson. Tulip and Cassidy are racing to the house the saint was headed towards when they find the saint and Jesse gone, as well as the family and the home hung up in their dining room. Tulip and Cass speed after Jesse on the freeway, only to come to an abrupt stop where the road ends and the outback begins. Because <laughs> that's how it happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a single dead end sign. It's Several a perfectly, feet from where the road perfectly maintained highway <laughs> up until that point. Till nothing. Yeah. <laughs> just put a ramp at the end of that thing and just <laughs> launch. Let it happen. Yeah. Um, I liked the Jesus and Hitler stuff. The oh, negotiations I loved it. are very good. I I did again. This is this is fine <laughs> to use Hitler for. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 as expected. I this think, makes right? sense. Yeah. Uh. The initial tease of them when and stars on the phone, I think at the very beginning with the captions on, there was some good dialogue. I just don't remember. I don't what know it if is. I noticed it or not. I must. They're not they're have. talking about like Jesus brings up something about baptism. He says, "Ah oh, shit, no, it might have been in this scene." He says something about like uh, Hitler's like, "Where did how did you arrive at these figures?" And Jesus is like, "It's no, simple addition." He's talking about like <laughs> baptisms and something yeah. else. Yeah, you're right. I don't remember what the formula was. It was funny. It, <laughs> it was, was very, very was good. Very and I was good. like, "Yeah, that follows." <laughs> I, I think Jesus is a much more shrewd negotiator than anyone is prepared to give him credit for because the way he says that that threat about calling it off, I think it's just a tactic. Oh yeah, and 100%. and the way his his body language and the way he's like leaning back and playing it like. He watched Star Wars. And he's like, I'm going to be Han Solo in this thing. It's so funny. Yeah, I think I think Star is very much aligned with Hitler. You can see every time he's like down in the negotiations, he's sitting next to Hitler. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he thinks as much of Jesus, but I think Jesus like I think they just think he's kind of a figurehead. And like I said that in the previous episodes, he kind of is at this point. But uh, he's 
he's a little he's been paying more attention I think, and i think he's holding think. it back like he's yeah. like he's playing he's playing the role that he's been asked to play in this particular part of the apocalypse right mm-hmm. and it's not but he's still jesus which yes. is great like he still believes in the goodness of people and that's why part of me like wants to look at all of this and uh, you know i don't know what the scene is but at some point when Jesus realizes that like God is doing all of this to try and kill Jesse, mm-hmm. I feel like there's a world where Jesus is like, what are you doing? But even like Jesus doesn't react to the fact that it's like Dr. Evil and Scott a little bit. Be- <laughs> yeah. And, but the thing is, is that going back to the fact that God has abandoned his post, it doesn't feel like Hitler. Like it seems like Hitler is aware of the plan. That's true. You yeah. know, and so is Jesus also aware I don't of think that so. plan? I don't really, I don't know. Like the way that it's kind of openly, that phase two is openly spoken about. Uh, I don't know if Jesus even knows that God abandoned heaven. That's the weird thing to me, right? Because if he, we don't know where he's been. Has he been living at Masada? Like just. I don't think so. Just like, enjoying his time or has he, like does God keep him on earth? Yeah, I or, don't know. Hmm. Interesting. I think yeah. There's I think there's some weird questions there about it. So there's part of me that wants this like moment where Jesus realizes that God is being very petulant right now mm-hmm. and thinks like these people don't deserve this, right? Sure. So because he's actually spent more time amongst them, yeah. Perhaps, yeah. Although Masada is clearly like a hotbed of evil, so <laughs> if he has been living there, he'd be way more. He'd be exposed to the the worst of the worst. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, the Saint and Jesse. Um, this was. Hmm. <laughs> I liked most of it. Yeah, a lot actually. Yeah, because when the two of them talk in the books, it's very similar. Where it's very curt, and they're just like kind of rude to each other because they don't really like each other. The Saint, I think, just thinks Jesse is a cowboy and yeah. like doesn't appreciate it. And Jesse definitely does not like the Saint or his methods. But I think Jesse also doesn't necessarily look at him as a person. He's kind of like a, a thing. Yeah. Which helps in the books. It is it is still better in the books. Like the dialogue is better, but and it was entertaining. Like I, I enjoyed. Well, and I think I you seeing. see Jesse because really before this, they haven't interacted for more than like a couple scenes, really. Mm-hmm. So this is the most time they really spent together. But you see Jesse trying to figure out the dynamic of what's going on. Like, why are they both? Yeah. There. Why why does the saint need him or want him? Mm-hmm. Well, it's when they wake up in the morning, right, at the campsite and he's like daylight's burning. Yeah. Sun's been up for 6 minutes and <laughs> he's like <laughs> we've got to go and to kill God, right? It's when he says to kill God. Yep. Yeah. Ugh, and finally, well, and then finally. This is also this is all, this is also when Jesse's like standing in the field being like I'm not going to move. Right, and, yeah. I told you and then I told you to eat shit, which is a great line. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So it, it's like Jesse. Jesse's trying to understand why the why the saint wants him, which is good. I think we do arrive at that. Yes, like yeah, I, finally, I, the words. Some words f- have been spoken that are like give us some definitive character direction. Where yeah. is, where are they heading? It's like the saint ultimately wants Jesse as like an insurance policy or something like that. Of like, because the saint thinks he can kill God with his guns. I think the saint might know that god wants jesse so he's oh. like he's like this guy is the tracking he's device. the bait yes exactly and as long as i walk around with him 
I which is which is great and clever, but at the same time, I'm like, well, why the f- why is the saint shooting at him all the time? They're yeah. like, why doesn't he? Why is he trying to kill him? Yeah. But then I thought, you know, maybe the saint is just one of those characters where if he wants you dead, you're dead. Yeah. And he's just trying to disable the car, or I mean, we've seen what he can do with his planet killing guns. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe that was the 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 plan all along. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, and Jesse's the one at the end, I guess, in like a scene or two that kind of arrives at the. Jesse's of the of the mind of like your guns aren't going to do shit, but I can because yeah. I have the word is kind of what yeah. And the saint doesn't really know for sure. I guess he seems pretty confident that he can shoot through planets and he can kill God with his guns. And that's what's that's one of the things that's so interesting about him is he exists outside of the the laws and the rules of both God and the devil. He is kind of this this in between that that can't be controlled. That's what I was going to say is like, well, if the if the word doesn't work on the saint, then why would it necessarily work on God? But, it, you know, if, if the saint is really this, yeah, yeah. You, you don't have to say things because I know it, it's kind of playing at probably what will be a central experience at the end of the season. But yes and no. But yeah, we'll we'll move on. We'll get now. to there. We got to start really writing down certain things. <laughs> There's going to be too many things to come back to. We'll never cover it all. <laughs> But, uh, oh, well, we tried. Yeah. For eight, we'll be all right. eight seconds. I think some of it will naturally come up and sure. what doesn't maybe didn't matter in, in, the fi- in the last place. But, but yeah, the two of them together I really enjoy. Like, yeah. they're they're good. It's, it's nice to see somebody partnered with the saint who is of sort of equal power, if not greater, in yeah. a way. And I like watching Jesse bide his time try to bide his time and stall and like try to figure out a way out of the situation there's multiple instances where he kind of tries and just fails yeah which is great yep the thing about the house is confusing i guess well like so what the hell was the point the saint walks into the house hangs that family so yeah the thing the thing and i caught this on the second time through jesse explains to the saint that he wants to ask God why. Right. What does it mean? Yes. And he says, and I'll show you he, what it means. Yes. After after he finishes, the saint says, I'll show you what it means. And then he walks over to the... He starts walking towards the house. And it's like... Um, I think the saint's thesis is that... God doesn't give a shit. There is no why. Like yeah. It's just, it's just chaos. And... Mm-hmm. Like I think that's kind of what it plays at is just just that there's no meaning or reason to why anybody dies or why anybody gets quote unquote taken from you. It's that I guess just why the I don't know if the elaborate staging and hanging of them rather than just shooting them all is just to depict the saint as sadistic and and nasty. I don't know I, that that that's what confused me. Like when they when they pull up to the house and that guy runs out and. Pukes. Pukes, which is yeah. a beautiful piece of blocking. Yeah. I was like, oh, that was really well done. Yeah. Well-timed. Uh, I was like, I expected just a massacre. Like, he just walked in the door, shot them all, and then walked away. Mm-hmm. But he, to go to those lengths, I was like, why? Like, are you just being a dick? Yeah. Like, because then it, it felt out of character for the saint, at least as I understand him, because <clears throat> why go... Then you're really no better than God well, in his eyes. Well, I think it served the purpose of getting Jesse to move. That was the point. Like the saint was like, it was the saint goading Jesse into continuing on. With oh him. yeah, I for so, sure. But again, killing them should be enough to get that point across. Why take the time to, to go through them. this elaborate? It, it feels a lot like something that 
God would do according to the the rules and the and the psycho- psychological makeup of God that we're kind of establishing here that it's just showy. Yeah, and that's not the saint. No, the saint should just be like, "I'm gonna kill him, killed him." You, you happy about that? And then like, <laughs> let's keep moving. True. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't know. That's why, why it threw me because I was like, did where did the saint? Were they already dead? Did the dad kill the whole family and then hang himself? And the saint knew it, so he's like, "Let me show you." <laughs> like I legitimately because it was so big, it was yeah. such a big set piece. I was like, "Yeah, what the f- what? Hmm. Where'd the rope come from?" Like I just was so. <laughs> all of it is weird, and it just didn't make any sense to me. And I'm I'm probably just making it more complicated than it is. Again, he probably just walked in, hung the family in front of Jesse, and said, "Here you go." But because when we cut to them next, it's just back to the same old like prisoner captive yep. silly dynamic Trope. yeah yeah i was like oh okay did what <laughs> just something yeah. there were there were there were a lot of moments like this throughout this episode i actually found myself thinking that there were it felt choppy it yes. felt weirdly paced and weirdly directed sometimes there was even a moment in that scene of dialogue with the in the field where when jesse gives his like ultimatum to the saint as he's like lighting up the cigarette he's like there's like a single shot of jesse and he like says something to the saint and then it cuts right to this wide shot that's already like mid dolly in on them and then Jesse moves the conversation to the next piece and I was like that felt really weird I yeah. felt like we should have had another reaction shot of the saint first before we moved back to the, just something about the visual language of it was really off and there yeah. were a few moments like that at least to me uh, throughout the episode where I was like this feels like things were cut for time or that the editor was just like I don't like that shot or something about it just didn't feel as tight as maybe they needed some weird reshoots or something. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Something was definitely kind of off and the way, the way the sequence progressed to the next was without any real comment on it from Jesse. Yes. There's, there's nothing to bind it together. It just felt like a, a a scenes that didn't flow together. Yeah. Just strange. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't really call too much. Sorry, Lance. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't really um, notice that myself. Like I noticed it in in like a subconscious level. I think because I I did I did agree with you in the fact that like it feels like there's missing bits and pieces here. Like it is a shorthand. They very much have their foot on the gas pedal in a lot of cases. But then there's also these like long and kind of plodding scenes of Tulip making her way through the house and making her way into the RV later on and mm. things like that, where it just not even making her way to the RV. This might just be the fact that I watched it at like 1 a.m. both times and I like kind of fell asleep a little bit <laughs> during okay. the part where she was walking up to the RV. But like it it just feels like there were these weird moments of like taking a breath when there's also other moments where it's like I'm missing some of the linking pieces We have here. to get through it. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't I I certainly something weird going on. I don't necessarily know why though. Fair. Um. Yeah, and then they arrive at the outback. All right, Act Three. Mm-hmm. A ranger at the Lost Apostle National Park gets assassinated as a flatbed truck carrying a large nuclear device heads in. Jesse does his best to try and take the saint out with his own guns, but his plans don't work, and he can't lay a finger on the saint. Tulip and Cassidy regroup at a diner, and we find out that Tulip hasn't read Jesse's letter from before he left. Cassidy reads it to look for a clue as to where Jesse may be, but he does not find any answers. Tulip gets frustrated and goes outside to smoke when she hears a few notes of of familiar jazz which lead her to an RV. The RV is open and nobody answers, uh, so she heads in. Um, 
Yeah, once again, more Kiwis and, well, I guess it's technically Grail people and Australians at this yeah, point. Yeah, but same reaction yes. to the the supposed presence of uh, <laughs> New Zealanders. Yes. Um, so weird. <laughs> yeah. Is this like a Michigan and Ohio rivalry? Where I, I think so. There's a little bit of it in Flight of the Concords with, yeah, I think, is, that, is Aziz Ansari in that episode? Is he the one that's... He's not Australian, though. He's just Aziz. Yeah. But he's like he, he calls them Australians, yes. and they're like, "No, we're New Zealanders." And he's like, and then they like laugh when he's yeah. like, "You sound the same." And they're just like, <laughs> they always take offense to it. They right? do, yeah. yeah. So, so that certainly it seems like it's out there, um, just playing out on a national level rather than you know, obviously we would. It reminded me of like the weird beef between vampires and werewolves from what we do in the shadows. <laughs> Or you're just like, why? <laughs> I mean, maybe yeah. it's not up to me to ask why you guys don't like each other. Well, that's but between it's you. Not, that's not, I think that's a thing in like Twilight 2. I don't know if there's like <laughs> other, like it's 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 there and it's somehow manifested. <laughs> I don't know what the first instance of vi- vampires and werewolves hating each other is. It's just but. so, it's so funny in what we do in the shadows because it seems like rival like football yes. clubs. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like <laughs> vampires and werewolves. Like these, and it's just, it's goofy. It's yes. really, really funny. That's pretty good. Um, this is where Jesse tries to shoot the saint with his own guns. They're yeah. not loaded for Jesse, apparently. Yeah, they only work for the saint. Yeah. Um, I think in the books, ooh, I don't remember. I feel like somebody does use one that's not him, but I really don't remember. I might be totally making that up. So disregard. Somebody in yeah, the I'm trying to think of somebody in the Discord will let me know. I know when Tulip was. Tulip was trying to get them destroyed. Did they do anything? Did she use them then in season two? Uh, I can't remember. I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. It doesn't matter. No, not really. I do love the way, though, that when they don't work and he makes that face and the saint just holds but out holds his hands. Out, yeah, yeah. He, he puts his hands out one by one yeah. again to like take him back. And then Jesse's like, fine. Just hands it to him. <laughs> the way he does it is so funny. He's like, ah, yeah. well, that didn't work. <laughs> but he knows like there's this really funny chess game going on between them. Like, he can't kill me. I'm trying to get the upper hand on him. Damn, it didn't work. All right. Yep. Back to square one. Back to square keep, one. Keep it's, moving. Yeah, it's it's like, uh, it, it's it's very much that captor and cap, like, cap, like that whole trope of, like, the person continually trying to get out of the circumstance. Yeah. I can't think of another example of it, though, for some reason. There's, there's cases where it's, like, you know, very harrowing and, like, the person knows they're in danger or mm-hmm. whatever but jesse because he's he holds some position of power with the saint has the ability to fight back more than most people would right, right? that's true so um diner scene was good yeah really good actually i really loved that the the minimal dialogue actually the, the like no dialogue while while he's reading the letter but yeah. like the 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 acting between the two of them is fantastic the the kind of knowing glances between both of them and you can read on cassidy's face of like There's, it's this weird like mix of disappointment because he's like literally seeing how much love is there between the two of them yes but at the same time, he looks close to like shedding a tear. Like yeah. there's a lot of emotion going because across. it's his friend. They're yeah. his friends, you know. So it's yeah, that was very very good. Joe Gilligan's face is just a treasure. It's like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just this like long. He like reminds me of some kind of dog, and I just can't <laughs> place it. He's got this. I once heard a uh, red Tim Roth being described as having like hangdog good looks, and mm. that description has stuck with me for years because i don't know what the i don't know what that means no but it 
is the right word. <laughs> you know it's right. And I feel the same way about Joe Gilgan. I'm like, I can look at him and be like, God, what a weird looking. But at the same time, I'm like, he's a handsome. What does he say about Jesus? Handsome, handsome bloke or something some, like that? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, same thing. But the, just the way that his face holds light is fascinating. <laughs> he's got all these like interesting crags and lines and just the the way he looks while he's reading that letter which is fantastic and then you've got the the biggest contrast in <coughs> excuse me in Ruth Nega's face she has this very pleasing like round face with these big eyes and smooth complexion and when you contrast the two of them it is just amazing yeah like, and the way the camera is cross-cutting between the two of them and her acting too of just like She's irritated, but she's upset, but she's like vulnerable, and she just is constantly readjusting her posture, mm-hmm. and then like kind of <laughs> craning her head out in that way she does, and making her eyes big, kind of like she's annoyed, but then she like defaults back to like, ugh, like she wants to know so bad what it says, but at the same time, uh, it's just wow, yeah, so 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 good, yeah, absolutely, loved it. I completely agree. And I feel like he's about to snatch it back from her when she grabs it and like walks out. Well, and that's the he's thing. Like, There's nothing that'll help. And then he's like, well, actually. And then she takes it and like dips out. Yes. And yeah. I was like, ooh. She's like, you know what? No, you don't get to. There's, oh, man, this episode. So this episode is the is the tipping point. Is Cassidy going to be like Comet Cassidy or is he going to be show Cassidy? And this episode is just like, it's teetering right, in the balance. right there. <laughs> and, and his actions in the diner and the plane and what happens after the plane are going to be the deciding factor. Yeah. And I, we just don't know the answer to any of those things yet. Yeah. So, ugh. We'll get there. Yeah, we have to. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming up quick. Yeah. Uh, and then I love that a walk to the peaks or whatever that jazz piece is continues right. to be the like telltale sign of yeah, God. The musical cue for God. God is here. It's like Yoda's French horn theme <laughs> coming in. Yes. It's got, God is just noise. <laughs> Chaos. Is that a real song? I it's think gotta be, it right? is. I think we've kind of, I think we looked into this in the past. What's it called again? A walk to the I peak. I think it's a walk to the peaks or a walk to the peak. Now my Google is just giving me walking directions to Twin Peaks on Stevenson Highway. <laughs> a walk to the peak jazz. Yeah. doesn't seem as crazy as what we heard in the show yeah you know just skimmed through 11 minutes of music and it it sounded more coherent than (laughs) what's in the show absolutely (laughs) it might i think it might it could just be like a a, an arrangement of some that's true yeah with jazz and like classical music you might it could be all over the place Yeah. yeah so but no it's fun that it still continues to come back it was a really eerie scene felt like from like another show with like, like a this, true detective uh, oh, absolutely <laughs> and, and and her outfit and the way she looked like a hundred percent like yeah. you could uh, tr- <laughs> ruth ruth nigga and joe gilgan <laughs> what if what season if? four true detective yes please oh it would be so good oh man but you could you could pull this out and drop it into that and base the whole season around that scene and it would work that's awesome this is like a weird 48 hour <laughs> film challenge like these are your characters this is your prop and this is your setting that'd be pretty good oh wow yeah it was fantastic the the, the atmosphere i was like this feels like we slunk into another show yeah and uh it's yeah this weird otherworldly pocket that yeah. god has deposited <laughs> by this diner in yeah, australia exactly <laughs> and the fact that it's this rv is extra eerie and then yeah it was fantastic yeah 
Yeah, I didn't say anything about the other things that were on the table. Um, I think I wrote them down here somewhere. Uh, we see the RV on the table. We see Tulip's car and the church in Anvil, a light, the lifeboat that was in mm-hmm. the previous uh, episode or two episodes ago. Two episodes ago. Two ago yeah. um, we see the coffin with the chains around it, um, a plane, a motorcycle. Jesse's there. There's the flatbed truck that's going to carry the nuke. Um, mm. So there's a few things the hidden nuke in there. itself. Yeah. Yeah. I got excited when I saw him putting that sticker on that nuke. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was a little like, what the hell is this really going to be? But I'm really interested in the fallout of the situation, both figuratively and literally. But yeah, we shall see. All right. Act four. Cassidy goes off on Sheila, the waitress, asking for drugs when Sheila recommends some fire retardant out back. Meanwhile, Tulip heads deeper into the RV. She takes a peek at the caged animal inside and recoils and then notices the man dog suit and realizes it's the uh, uh, whose RV she's in. She takes note of the models on the table and a postcard for the lost apostle. When she heads out to find Cass, we see God was there watching her. Mm-hmm. Tulip tells Cass she thinks Jesse is headed to see God at the lost apostle and they commandeer a plane to head straight to it. Star gets called away from Masada by God to head to Australia, and as he leaves, we see Featherstone working at the Lazarus Coffee incognito. And then Jesse seemingly makes small talk with the saint and mentions that without him or the word, God gets away with everything. Jesse hears the plane approaching and takes it as a sign to get away from the saint. While Cast and Tulip dump fire retardant on the saint, they get low enough to pick up Jesse, and then they pull up to get away. Um... Very good rescue. Yeah, great, great west rescue yeah. op. Ping Island completely, rescue. Op. <laughs> yeah, completely un uh, unrehearsed, but yet Jesse knew. Yeah, just speaking more to their connection. He's like, "All right, this is Tulip. I gotta, I gotta get out of the way here." Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's pretty good. It was, it was wonderful for something that would feel very convenient yeah. it just kind of was like okay it works somebody else on the subreddit was like i like how nobody doubts the fact that tulip can just pilot a plane sure. <laughs> it's Absolutely. like yeah sure it totally works for me um yeah the inspecting the rv was interesting i'm still really curious what's in those cages me too you hear star hears them over the phone earlier in the episode and was like oh is that the guinea pig for yeah. something and god is like no no and then he deflects and asks about humperdoo mm-hmm. so i don't know what it is but it seems like it should be something yeah do you feel like you have any insider knowledge about no, it not really no okay no. Hmm. um it's interesting to me that tulip isn't quite with it enough to realize like i feel like if she and cassidy were in that rv together the two of them maybe could have put together the fact that everything was a setup before getting into the plane. Mm, perhaps. But it takes Jesse seeing the postcard for it to click yeah. for everybody, basically. And I'm sure the rush of like just excitement over getting a real clue. A morsel, yeah. yeah. That's true. Yeah, because they are hot on his trail trying to find him. Yeah. Um, start getting called away from Masada, and then he, sa- he says something... He warns, I'll be right back. Well, he says he'll be right back, but then Star warns Hoover too after he gets out of the elevator. He's like, uh, when I get back, I'll be quite attractive. And, yeah. then, and then Hoover too is just kind of like, I'm looking forward to it. Or so, I don't know yeah. exactly what he said, but it's like, okay. Star definitely has a crush on Hoover too. 
Yeah, it's kind of a, and uh, Hoover Two kind of does too. I think it's I th- there's something there at least. Um, I just I love that line. I'm going to Australia. I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> what? No, you won't. He's got a Concorde jet or <laughs> yeah, something. Exactly. Can... He can shoot through the planet. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, he has one of those too. Yep. Uh, and then yeah, the escape from the Saint was quite good, as we noted. Mm-hmm. Don't know that there's a whole lot else to say. I loved the conversation between him and Cassidy. Is that the next? Is that the next act? Yes. I don't remember. Okay. Yeah. So that's the beginning. Oh yeah. Because then five. we got the Saints angry, screaming yes. at the heavens. Yeah. His uh, his gaudy moment. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> as he screams Jeez. as it cuts away. Yes. Um. All right. We'll break into Act Five. We're gonna chunk it out a little bit because it is kind of big. Uh, Jesse says hey to everyone on the plane and realizes that Tulip is mad at him for leaving. He also realizes that she never read his letter, but Cass says she'll come around. Jesse explains that they have a stop to make, and Cassidy says they know. He demands an explanation for the Big, Le- Le- Big Lebowski from God. I'm glad that came back. A- another, yet another. It's been like they touch on it like once per season yeah, almost. And it felt so completely earned and yeah, perfect. Absolutely. It's very, very good. Um, They come back to the plane again later, so we'll get to that. Uh, two Grail men load plutonium into a plutonium fissile device, a 25 kiloton atomic bomb, when an Australian hiker walks up. They claim to be from New Zealand, but the Aussie can't be fooled, so they shoot and kill him. That Aussie guy was great. It was fantastic. <laughs> so good. I forget what he said. He says, you take me for a drongo, which yeah. I don't know what that means, but it sounds fantastic. So full of Australian slang. <laughs> this This episode is just... Yeah, it's they, like they brought on a consultant in the writing room and was like, if you could give me the most like... <laughs> we have four lines for this guy. Outrageous Australian slang. Pack it in. <laughs> well, there's there are some too with uh, the, the like... The, the security guy, Yeah, the park ranger guy. Yeah. And then I feel like the New Zealand guys had something as well that was like some really funny slang that yeah. was specific to name calling basically and that's the thing is like as an outsider i feel like that's how new zealanders and australians <laughs> talk but i don't know like if somebody if there's anybody here who is from either of those areas that could chime in and be like is this how how australians and new zealanders actually talk with each other i'm sure regionally absolutely it'd be like someone living you know born and bred in australia thinking all americans are like people from the south yeah yeah that's like, true. Read yes, that there, ac- there, there will be spots that are probably yes, like that. That right? accent and that that uh, language does absolutely exist, but it's just not. It's not the entire continent of Australia like this show is presenting. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. Um, I mean, Nick Cave is Australian, and that's true. He has a very. He's very eloquent. Yes, absolutely, he is. As we have witnessed in person, we don't take him for a drongo. No way. Uh, Star informs God that Phase 2 is ready, and God takes the opportunity to ask about Humperdew once again. Star realizes that God is aware that he's being lied to, and the dingo finds its way to Star, seemingly as punishment for God for him crossing God. The dingo is forcefully mauling at Star's crotch. Mm-hmm. Star getting disfigured in some way once again. Yeah, that does happen in the books. Okay. Via dog. Via is okay. Not, not a this, dingo. Not at this same instance. Okay at all but i was like okay not at the hands of god either no no okay well, well not directly well. <laughs> no i <laughs> yeah, don't think fair. so okay Interesting. god like i said in the books i think god is less involved and if he is the book never 
goes out of its way to say like this was God all along. Okay. Uh, this scene was really funny because God says like God willing and like oh God a couple times like he uses his own name in, in like the way we do, which is really hilarious <laughs> yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I still really baffled at the whole Humperdoo thing. I wonder if they're gonna find the Humperdoo. Oh, they absolutely will. Before the end of the season, it'll it'll need to he he needs to be there. Yeah, it'll happen. Will God be the one that finds Humperdoo mm, because he, yeah, he maybe. can? Maybe who knows? The, uh, that is weird. Does God really not know where he is? And if so, why? But it seems like he. he it, I think at this point we learn that God at least knows that he didn't have Humperdoo, right? Oh, 100 percent. But I think to me, I feel like God is probably able to find Humperdoo pretty immediately. Is my guess. If yeah. he if he tried, and you might have him. So, yeah, that's true. He could already have him, too. Yeah, he's not in the crate. That's yeah. for sure. No, he's no. Too would know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it it definitely does kind of a fun twist with, again, just when I think I start to pin down how powerful and omniscient and everything that God is, the show kind of makes me question it again. Like, yeah. oh, wait, does he? Yeah. If he knew Star was lying all along... Is it because he's all-knowing or because he's that good at reading people? Although yeah. Star was doing a very bad job of <laughs> coming up with excuses. Yeah. It took him to it's, wax it's his very, feet. <laughs> it's very obvious that Star is lying. But I think the thing is, is that God repeatedly asking about him in this way and also using it to deflect from some questions. That's true. I think was a way. It was a, It was him controlling Star in some yeah, way. Yeah, he might just, like, God might be the ultimate poker player. And I, he yeah. just isn't necessarily all-knowing but i don't know the question remains i like it though i like still not having a definitive answer yeah yeah it's and fun. who knows if he will lay all of his cards out on the table i love that he still had that coffee mug it's yeah it's the same mug was that a, a signal of the coming uh destruction maybe Quite potentially that's his uh well i mean it's his morning he was cup. admiring the day when when he first drank from it back with the dinosaurs that's true so he didn't uh, plan on exterminating all of them it just happened so, but maybe that's what it is now. Hmm. Uh, all right. And then my final little chunk here for Act 5. As they draw closer to the Lost Apostle, Jesse notices the postcard, which tips everyone off to the fact that they're headed into a trap. Tulip tries to get away, but not before God can trigger the atomic bomb. The plane gets tossed about, and the door flies off, causing Jesse to fly out of the plane. Cassidy manages to catch him, but his arm starts burning in the sunlight outside of the plane. Jesse tries to get Cassidy to let him go and tells Cassidy to tell Tulip to read the letter, but Cassidy doesn't want to let go, so Jesse forces Cassidy to let him go by using the word. Tulip and Cassidy mourn as Jesse falls to the earth, as we saw in the flash forward. He hits the ground with a large mushroom cloud in the distance near the lost apostle, and we zoom in on a very bruised eye and a seemingly dead Jesse. Is the mushroom cloud what you were referring yes. to? Yeah, yeah, interesting. You guys made me question whether or not I saw it. <laughs> I knew it was there, and I was like, well, uh, so I knew that the moment when Jesse falls out of the plane is in the aftermath of an atomic blast, okay. and so when the episode started and I saw him falling, I was like, and then I looked, I was like, oh, that's got to be the aftermath of the blast, right? And then you yeah. guys were like, I didn't see anything, and I was like, did I imagine an entire mushroom cloud? It's interesting. It just, uh, it's so quiet that I don't even- You didn't equate it, it, it didn't, to a- It didn't, yeah. To like a nuclear it, detonation? It, <laughs> it could have just been clouds in the distance, or I was just- I feel like I was mostly just focused on the fact that like somebody's falling from the ground, mm-hmm. like that's what pulled sure. my attention. Enough, Which is right? great, honestly. Yeah. Like that's awesome that it slipped by. Yeah, 
Yeah. I, still... I forgot to to mention how much I absolutely loved again the the chemistry between the three stars is off the charts as we've noted since season one. But I absolutely adored the initial conversation between Cass and Jess. Yeah, when Jess he's like, "Hey," and Cassie's like, "What? What? Yeah. what? Hey. Oh, hey!" <laughs> and he just like <laughs> seems so happy to see him and just yeah. got that big Cassidy grin. It was yep. so funny. I was like, "This is absolutely perfect." There was also, um... and then Tulip doesn't say anything. She said, hey. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, and then the thing is when um, when Cassidy mentions the Big Lebowski and mm-hmm. and, and he and, they he and Jesse laugh. have a laugh about it and yep. then it cuts to Tulip and you see her smirking. Yes. She, she's she's certainly listening. and That is the way the two of them are in the books for most of it and just like can nonstop laughing together and it's so good. Yeah. That was, that was wonderful. That's pretty good. <laughs> Uh, I did have a line written down here that I forgot to mention, but the quote from Star is, physical attractiveness has always been a calling card for me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so good. he says to God. Like, when? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. <sighs> well, where do you want to start with all this? I don't really know. I don't know how much I really want to talk about since we're going to see literal fallout Mm -hmm. soon but like it uh i don't really know where it goes from here i'm kind of uh i don't know i i it just yeah i'm kind of leaving it's a big it's a big happening yeah and and so i guess the thing that kind of i reacted after it was the fact that the little flash forward that we get at the beginning of the season seems to imply that like Cass and Tulip are out on their own back in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they show Jesse falling from the plane afterwards. Mm-hmm. But clearly these weren't too like, I think the scene with, with Cass and Tulip in the hotel room is going to come later. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of threw me for at least a little bit of a loop, you know. I, yeah. I guess I was more more or less surprised that Tulip and Cassidy made it to Australia at all because I wasn't really expecting that to happen. Mm-hmm. And so I like that it did. We got a lot of nice moments with everybody. But um, Jesse falling out of that plane, like I don't really see how he survives this one without some kind of divine intervention. Sure. Um. But also, you know, what is the literal fallout of a 25 kiloton nuke going off in in the Australian outback? Yeah. <clears throat> is there any other than the fact that, like, it seems like they're maybe they're triggering World War Three, right? That's kind of the idea. I think it is part of the... It's the end part of phase two. Yeah. I don't know what why they would bother trying to tell that Australian that they were New Zealanders if he was going to be well within the <laughs> Yeah, well, no, and that's of... the thing. It's like, is was Star in that blast? Was, mm. um, I guess, yeah, I guess that's the main question. It's yeah. like, was Star there? Who's Just, left? Yeah, who's left? Did God protect him from it? I guess that's possible, mm. but... Yeah. yeah. It, so the the bomb does happen in the books. It does not happen like this at all. 
It does not cause... Does it cause the plane to... Yes. Okay. But it's more like the EMP from it, I think, is what... Hmm. I think. I'm trying to remember now. The The show does a very weird job of like explaining their proximity to the blast because yeah. it seems like they're flying through the flames of it and then suddenly they're miles away because I'm no physicist. Jesse drops out. Like yeah. it's way out there, yeah. but those blasts I think are pretty big. So yeah. they'd have to be like a, a solid, like I feel like like 15 miles away or something. And that's the weird thing about it is that that cloud, like that cloud is very unassuming to me. It's not like, I feel like when we see videos of nuclear mushroom clouds, like that cloud f- that they show behind Jesse as he falls is mm-hmm. very much feels like something that's like a half an hour later or like, I okay. don't know, like yeah, not it, the immediate. Yeah. So that, that was partly that. Yeah. A they little bit they do a weird confused. job of explaining in, in the books. It's, 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 uh, it makes more sense. You know, maybe it's not the EMP because they cast and Tulip definitely keep flying. How is the lost apostle still standing? <laughs> right. How is that? Like, you know, I don't know. Yeah. The, nothing happens that way in the book. And like, God does not trigger it. It's it's different. Okay. So I'm a little disappointed because the nuclear blast and everything that surrounds it in the book is probably my favorite single piece of the book. And there is a ton missing, hmm. which I get budgetary reasons and whatnot. But it is like the number one conflict that I was looking forward to. And when this season started and I saw that, I was like, are you are you kidding? Me? <laughs> They're going to do They're it. They're going to do it. And they did, but they didn't. And so I'm a little... I would be more disappointed if the show hadn't been consistently kind of stepping down from my expectations. Or at least what I what I wanted or what I thought I wanted. And again, it's not necessarily bad. I think, it, I think this is all going to be in service of the show. But anybody who's read the books knows what I mean. Like that conflict at around the blast yeah. or leading up to it is the shit. It is so good. It is my single, probably my single favorite part of Preacher. And it lasts for like a couple issues and it's just the best. Everything builds. It takes time to build up to it. That's the thing. Like it in this episode kind of rushes to it. And I did really like the sequence of Jesse falling out of the plane and Cassidy catching him. Like that's remarkably close to exactly how it goes down in the book. But in the book, it is like edge of your seat like oh my god like what is going to happen and in the, in the show they did a good job of building the tension of it and like you're like oh you know he i mean how did you feel when he flies out of the plane and cassie's holding him and his arm starts burning like where were you at in that moment i don't know like i feel like that i feel like this is where i get robbed by flash forwards and why i don't necessarily love them that much because i knew he was going to end up on the ground mm, you know that's true that's good I didn't even think about that because I'm already so spoiled by it all. That's part of what I like didn't love about some of the end of Breaking Bad. You know, they gave us, they started giving you glimpses. They like to drop teases and things ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And I think they did a good job with the plane. I won't spoil anything. They did a good job with the plane and that one. Like that whole season kind of teases up to this plane oh, that's true. disaster. Okay. And that, about, yeah, 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 okay. that worked well. But when they started showing like Walter at 
a certain age in a diner. Yes. Like that type of stuff is when I'm kind of like, okay, now my head is doing the work to try and put the pieces together of how we get there. And you better hope that all the material leading up to it is good enough that it makes it all fine. Exactly. You're like, okay, it's not so much about the destination, but the journey. So I feel like right now my feelings about this whole moment are really suspended on what's going to come afterwards. Okay. That's Um, fair. Because like the, the stakes of, uh, like the the character moment between Jesse and Cassidy, the idea that Jesse has to use the word to get Cassidy to let him go, mm-hmm. I think is all wonderful. Yeah, I thought it was very very good, mm-hmm. but I didn't feel as though there was any point in time where Jesse was getting back into that plane because I figured he was gonna that was where he was gonna hit the ground. Sure. So, I think that they may they may have thought, and obviously it didn't work for you, but they may have thought that. All you know is Jesse falls out of a plane. Mm. And so maybe the first time they picked him up with the saint, you were going to think for a minute, like the hot tub time machine thing, like, oh, is this when he falls out of the plane? Yeah. Does the saint shoot it down and he falls out? Well, no, he got away. Yeah. And maybe if they had had one more head fake, you would have been like, maybe this isn't it. Yeah. But obviously, a nuclear blast is pretty like, yeah. it's a big deal. <laughs> <You're> not, <laughs> oh, all right. The, yeah. Like the, the those pieces come together. The you know. interesting part is like Jesse seems to look at the bolts flying out and the, and the panels ripping away. And he seems to think like, okay, God is going to let them go. If I let go, like God wants me ah. because he's kind of like he, you see him reacting to those elements happening. And so I think in Jesse's mind, it was a calculated like, okay, God wants me. If I let go, then I will save them. Yes. Interesting. I didn't, I didn't put that together at all, but that makes a lot more sense now that you're saying that. And in the book, it's not really about that because like I said, God doesn't trigger it. Yeah. And it's just a thing that happens. And I think he. It's a self-sacrifice. I think it's a self-sacrifice because Cassidy needs to be inside. Maybe it's like a weight thing. There is a reason in the books why he's hanging and Cassie's arm starts burning, and he's like, I'm not going to let go. And then Jesse's like, let me go. And, I mean, man, whew. Oh, this is like my space seed moment now. <laughs> See, now you already know that this happens. <laughs> when it happens in the book, when it comes up on you, it is so insane. Yeah. It's so devastating because you're. it's just this incredible moment. And it's like, uh, I, it's like Han getting frozen in carbonite in Empire. Like, if you had never seen Star Wars and you were in the theater in 1980 and you saw that shit happen, could you imagine this? <laughs> like the reactions of people in the theater must have been insane because yeah. you're like, you did not just do that. And yeah. that's the way that this moment is in the book. It is crazy. Hmm. And it happens earlier than you would think. It's not super early, but like I said, when it happens, you're like, what? Well, we're like just about halfway, a little more than halfway through the season too, right? So it's like, I don't know how this is all going to play out. Mm-hmm. I can tell you where I think it m- could potentially be headed in a second. I don't know. But, okay. Um, it. I don't know where it's going to play out. I can tell you that. Yeah, so well, maybe that's fair. Because based on how the bomb is triggered, I don't know what the hell is going to happen <laughs> after. Because <laughs> that is so different, and it directly impacts what happens after in the book that I don't know where the hell they're going. So if that... That doesn't probably mean anything to anybody who hasn't read the book, but I am totally like spinning from it because uh, it's just so different well the thing like i guess the pieces that i'm playing with in my head here and i guess here's what i'll do if anybody right now we're, we're basically towards the end of our episode anyway yeah. if anybody right now doesn't want to hear any errant speculation about what's going to happen if you don't really enjoy that part of the show then then please tune out now because i'm gonna i'm gonna start trying to play with some some puzzle pieces in my head that 
may or may not lead us towards something that resembles what's going to happen in the next episode. I don't know. I haven't watched any next time ons. I don't know anything really further about what's going to come. So thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. But um, <laughs> so right now in my head, I'm like, okay, we know Jesse ends up back alive. Yep. He's going to have an eye patch on mm-hmm. for some reason. Uh, because he's got a black eye right now, kind of. I don't know. I mean, I guess if your face hits the ground that hard, then, yeah, you'd probably have a black eye if you still had an eye. (laughs) Right. But, like, it feels to me like this is God's gambit to get Jesse on his turf, potentially without Genesis, to be like, get the fuck away from me. Hmm. Like, I don't know if Jesse literally dies and maybe loses Genesis, mm-hmm. but also then this gives God the opportunity to be like, Jesse Custer, I don't want to be found. I don't have to answer to you. <clears throat> Fuck off. And then maybe brings him back to life because he wants to show how merciful he really is. <laughs> you are so much closer than you would think. <laughs> Like, I, I think uh, uh, that's where I see things being manipulated towards right now. Okay. Um, do you want me to comment on that at all? Other than what I just said? I don't know. I, I don't know if you... Do you feel like you can say anything that, that doesn't necessarily tip tip any hands? Well, I don't know. Because like I said, I I'm I know where it goes in the books. Yeah. And I feel like the show is... I think you're right. Okay. Yeah, that's I'm you know what that makes me feel better about the show then that that's where you're that's where my mind is what yes. my mind is playing with yep. right now. Yeah, that's good then. I think it's there. And I think some of it is informed from from a little bit about what we talk about, but it's not necessarily like I don't um like I feel like I was when I came to that conclusion, I'm kind of playing with what the show has presented with me rather than anything that you've that you've imparted on me with our discussions on the show on on this on this podcast show not show show i just realized something that i wanted to happen that i didn't think was going to happen is actually probably going to happen right at the beginning of the next episode okay if they get right into what happens to jesse ooh, okay might get something pretty good that i want i guess there's the other thing that we could theoretically be playing with is whether or not tulip and cassidy are going to now proceed thinking jesse's dead like i think that's what the um i feel like that's what the beginning of the of the season kind of brings about like i don't think tulip would be accepting cassidy's love necessarily without thinking jesse's dead yeah that's a good assessment and i think we she Based on the look on her face as they're flying away, I think she thinks he's dead. She thinks he's gone, yeah. yeah. So One thing I forgot to say before we made this little break towards these pseudo-spoilers. So God goes like full, in, in terms of appearance, he goes like full comic book God for a second when he claps and like the blast goes off yeah. and his eyes turn like all white yeah. and he gets like illuminated in all this yellow light. Do you remember the panel I showed you of what God looks like in the yeah. books? Yep. It looked almost exactly like that and that was awesome. That's very good. I thought that was so sweet and I I was like this I I sort of understand, you know, there, there's a there's a struggle for comic book fans 
uh, or fans of anything that gets adapted really, but especially something visual like comic books, when your characters that you like make it to the to some sort of big screen or, or TV, they uh, most of the time they shy away from the actual appearance. They yeah. try to make it more realistic and more grounded for whatever reason. And sometimes it works and it suits the characters, and sometimes it doesn't, and you're just left wondering why. Yeah. Why not just why go Why didn't for you it? lean into it? Right, and there's a reason, I think, that we, at least in our circle of friends, kind of enjoyed Aquaman for the most part because it leans into it oh, yeah. hard. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> hey, hey, man, this is an Aquaman movie. Yeah. <laughs> Watch it. <laughs> and yeah. sometimes with the show, I wondered, like, okay, why didn't God, why didn't they make God look more like he does in the books? Because it's sweet. He doesn't really show up that much. You don't really see him, like, full on, like, as a person on the panel. But when you do, he looks pretty much like that. And it's yeah. so cool. And you're that's like, you know awesome. what? That's how you can make God look like God because he doesn't look like a man. He looks like God. And then, you know, they've got the whole Mark Harlick thing going, and I've been enjoying it for sure. No no doubt is listen to any episode of this podcast <laughs> where we talk about Mark Harlick. It's it's fantastic. But I always kind of was like, it's kind of a shame he doesn't appear like that once in a while. And this was a good way to sneak it in there for a beat. Because as soon as it happened, I was like, oh, that's awesome. That's I really loved cool. it. But I get that you can't get the same emotion out of a performance in the same nuance without eyes. Like, that's yeah. the biggest thing. There's a reason that people's eyes are always visible in these comic book costumes and everything and they take their helmets off and their masks off because you need eyes to connect and to emote unless something really special is happening in which yeah. case you can get away with it i have to imagine especially one of the things you've continually brought up is um jesse using the word not having his kind of red eyes like i feel I like i still miss that i know i know you do <laughs> okay. but i also feel like they probably must have tried it maybe you know like they, they had to have at least tried that at some point and been like, this maybe doesn't work for this reason. Maybe we don't have enough money to do it the way that we want to do it. Maybe we don't. Yeah, maybe I've, I would find that remarkably hard to believe. I guarantee there's someone out there who has made an after effects tutorial on how to do that. And it looks great. Yeah. Yeah. And it just is so much more effective than the weird vibration. Even if they like did it, you would think there would be a way that they could do it with like contacts or something that would be interesting. And maybe sure. mm. they could absolutely do it. So, I mean, there's, yeah. you know, look back to characters on like Buffy and stuff. You know, yeah. They had weird eyes. Yeah. True. True. I do kind of like though that when, when uh, God sort of yells at star, don't, don't ever cross me again. It's in basically the same voice. It sounds like the word. Yeah. The word. Yeah. Which is kind of a neat little detail. Yeah. Uh, the only other thing that I did want to say about God, there's a moment there after like the plane is like turned away and starting to get torn apart where he's like doing this little, like kind of like, yeah, weird dance. type dance yeah. thing. And that was also very entertaining, but yeah, that was weird. I didn't know what to make of that. Yeah. Anyway, we will, uh, I think we'll we'll come back next week, have more thoughts on what went down. I might do a little bit of editing of that ending there just to kind of maybe hide some things a little yeah, bit or you probably whatever. should. We'll see I'll see what I can do. But maybe fold some of the God appearance talk back up before it. Who knows? Okay. However you're hearing this is how I intended you to hear it. Oh boy. So. Somebody's playing God with this podcast <laughs> up in here. Anyway, once again, you can find more episodes of our podcast at g2tpodcast.com. We're also on TV Time, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play Music. We are also G2T Podcast on Twitter, and you can email us at g2tpodcast at gmail.com to tell us what you think of our podcast and share your thoughts on AMC's Preacher so we can read them on our show. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding Preacher or our podcast. The Midwest Podcast Network has other shows about video games, horror movies, FX's The Alienist, and HBO's Westworld. Find out more about these shows as well as how to support the network at MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Our theme music is the song All In by The Red Thread, and it is being used under a non-commercial Creative Commons license. 
That's all for this episode of Gone to Texas. We can't wait to see what next week's episode of Preacher brings. But until then, go forth and speak the good word.